I'd like to welcome Scott Kegley, Executive Director of Digital Media and Innovation to, uh, for the Minnesota Vikings, to the show. Scott oversees all aspects of digital media, social media, mobile strategy, and online content for the Vikings. Scott, first question for you right out of the gate. The Vikings have a unique approach to digital storytelling. Can you give a few of those examples to set the stage? Yeah, absolutely. We we kind of look at uh, at social media in really kind of the same light as we do all of our digital content. So really look at it as with a recurring content approach and kind of branding some of the different things that we do online. So if uh, it's kind of beyond just, you know, creating good content for Snapchat or creating good content for, for Twitter or Instagram, uh, but we've really kind of built out some unique programs uh, within each one of those platforms, kind of trying to utilize uh, each platform for what we think it kind of should be and being authentic on on that platform uh, under the guise of whatever um, whatever program that is that we've created. Uh, quick question. What are your thoughts on Snapchat versus Instagram? I know for a lot of digital marketers that are out there, uh, it's not, it's sometimes one or the other, but we see that Instagram has copied a lot of the Snapchat features and we are seeing, I'm not going to say a mass exodus, but we're seeing a large amount of market share and attention to Instagram as opposed to Snapchat. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there are certainly similarities. Um, and there are certainly differences, right, between the, the two platforms, though those are kind of um, getting blurred uh, together. Uh, I know for, for us, when, um, when Instagram launched Stories, uh, you know, we were even thinking, um, okay, well, what does this do to Snapchat? Will people actually move over and adopt this? So we just kind of started creating, uh, and we kind of have a small social team. It's uh, really myself uh, and then Zach Royce, our social media coordinator, are really doing everything on social on on game days currently. Uh, so we really just kind of divided and conquered. He took Snapchat and I took Instagram stories because it's, I don't know, Instagram is, uh, I'm a little bit older than he is. So it's something that I just kind of gravitate more towards naturally. Um, but I think everybody kind of does that, right? So um, he has a different way of uh, conversing with the audience. I have a different way of conversing with the audience. And I think it really fits uh, with each one of those platforms. Um, so I think that there are definitely similarities some differences we've actually utilized uh, Instagram stories too, uh, since it links back to the site uh, as another way to drive content, uh, especially in the off season when we don't have like a lot of stories or live events to cover. Uh, and it's a little bit different. So, you know, posting some great photos of, you know, Cordero Patterson when he was at uh, Disneyland, he did a Snapchat takeover for us. We also took photos of him, uh, you know, running around the park and doing some different stuff. So we actually posted the photo gallery online and we can link back to it. It's great visual content, which I think really um, plays better on Instagram uh, versus Snapchat. Just the, the high quality imagery, it just kind of fits that um, brand a little bit better. So those are some of the things that, that we've done uh, differently on those two platforms. But I mean, I think that there's uh, definitely some power behind Snapchat as well. And Loved what the Bulls did um, a couple days ago with their murder mystery. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, a way to, to tell a, um, a longer length story in 10-second uh, clips. So um, I think that's awesome when people can really think outside the box and, and utilize the platform for uh, what, what they're best at. 
Scott, so obviously you guys are going pretty hard on the social side, the content side, really trying to tell the story of the Vikings um, and everything that surrounds that across many different platforms and channels. We're talking specifically about Instagram and Snapchat now, but I guess if we mm-hmm. take more of a holistic look at this and say there's obviously a lot of a, a lot of different channels. You've got Facebook, you've got live video. You're, you guys are even doing 360 videos. Um, how are you guys deciding where and when to spend the energy on the different platforms. Uh, Because at the end of the day, without just infinite resources, it can be a drag on some teams. How are you guys balancing that? And how are you looking at where to spend your energy? You know, I've always kind of taken the approach, um, you know, throughout my career and with whatever team that I'm at, we're always going to try to do something that's, um, you know, maybe more than we're kind of capable of doing, kind of try to bite off more than you can chew in terms of what you want to try to do uh, with social media. And it really, I think um, when you look beyond like the walls of what you're capable of doing, right? Like we just have two people, like I said before, on on social media, that's a lot on game day. So we run around quite a bit um, and we try to do uh, you know, everything as best as we possibly can, right? Like, which is an easy thing to say and it's a tough thing to do Um, so yes, maybe there's something that, you know, with an extra person, we could, you know, focus, uh, you know, more on, uh, creating in-game, uh, gifts or, um, you know, doing stuff that's a little bit more custom. You know, we have a, a a social media producer who's kind of more within the production side of our group. Um, but he actually helps with a lot of the, um, kind of more, uh, production heavy, um, elements that we post on social media, but he's always thinking social media first. So, uh, for us, it's, it's really kind of just trying to, uh, decide like when there is, uh, a need for multiple things happening on multiple platforms at the same time. So like game day or or big event, uh, we kind of just try to focus on, okay, what can we do, uh, today? Like, how are we going to treat Facebook? How are we going to treat, uh, treat Twitter? You know, like I said before, we kind of had to divide and conquer on Snapchat and and Instagram. And there's actually one point where Zach needs to get up to the press box to live tweet the game, like right before intros. So I'm down on the field kind of doing both. Um, And that's kind of difficult, um, right? And so there's probably some things that I miss there on one platform or the other. Um, So it's just kind of difficult. I think you it's something that you always have to weigh. Uh, everybody would love to have additional staff, but you just kind of have to make the most of what you have. Right. And, and, you know, one of the things that you mentioned is thinking about it, not just on get on game day, but on at bigger events and everything else surrounding the team, this with the Super Bowl being, you know, up in a couple of days, happening in a couple of days. Um, you know, I know that you came from a, a, a team that was in the Super Bowl a handful of years ago. I'd love to get your perspective on what it is like and what are the different considerations from a marketing perspective when you are a team that's in the Super Bowl. Um, I think the biggest luxury that, uh, you know, the Super Bowl and I guess just having success in general and getting deep into the playoffs as well just affords you is the ability to tell really cool and compelling stories. Um, you know, I saw the uh, the Falcons had a, a video narrated by Ludacris that they posted on uh, on Facebook the other day uh, when I was in, uh, you know, San Francisco. Um, you know, there was, uh, a lot of storytelling, like leading up, right. You know, five times Super Bowl champions, it was the quest for six. It was something that we kind of, uh, created, um, the year before, uh, when we played in the NFC championship game, um, against the New York giants and lost. 
but there was a lot of like fan momentum and excitement built around uh, that campaign and that hashtag. And ultimately the next year we decided to, to do that again and, and, um, and really build off of that. Uh, so we were even sending out um, like that campaign kind of transition to some extent. And, you know, uh, it became like the G E A U X Niners, um, like the Cajun spelling. And uh, we sent that out to uh, a lot of different bars on, on bourbon street. And so you went down there um, that week and you would have thought it was a home game by the amount of um, the amount of flags that you saw and the amount of fans, you know, just on the street. Um, but really trying to like build that and kind of create that atmosphere there. You know, you really get, you get one, one shot at it. It's an amazing opportunity to build, build your fan base. I think so many times, like, you know, teams will get there and they like, they don't necessarily capitalize uh, off of that, you know? Um, so I, th- I think that that's kind of an important thing to to do is plan out that story that you're going to, that you're going to tell ultimately, like I remember doing a, an interview with the San Francisco Chronicle that week, and they're talking about the success of the quest for six campaign. And I said, you know, if we lost in the first round of the playoffs, like everybody would have thought it was a dud. Right. So they're like, Oh, quest for six. Well, they were one and done in the playoffs. Right. So some of it is dependent upon, uh, you know, having success and getting deep in the playoffs. Um, but you have to try, like you, you, you still have to, um, you know, it's, a chance that lightning strikes and you actually get all the way but it's something that you have to plan for um i remember talking to some some people at uh the nike social media team um actually around the same time around that kind of 2011 2012 team because we did some uh you know content swaps with them uh leading into the super bowl but they actually said uh, something that i thought was super interesting it's about like 80 percent of the con- their content that they create for different events never actually sees the light of day, right? So you have this opportunity as you go through the playoffs and there's only two teams that can get there. There's only one team that's going to win. But we certainly knew in San Francisco what we were going to do if we ended up winning the game, right? Like there was all this great content that we had that never saw the light of day. Um, But I always thought that was uh, really good advice and kind of really applicable uh, for events like the Super Bowl. You You have to try and you have to be okay knowing that you know, maybe 90% of the content that you plan might never happen, um, but you have to plan for it just in case. So it's just kind of a, a heightened time, um, you know, more eyeballs on on what you're doing and uh, a lot more opportunity for the brand overall. So, Scott, you mentioned about preparing for when things are good, but in football, you've got 16 games plus hopefully playoffs where there is an opportunity where unfortunately your team could lose. How do you tell the story when you guys lose, knowing that you still want to keep fans engaged, but it's not exactly the narrative that you guys were all set out to in that given week? Yeah, you know, I kind of look at that a little bit more than just uh, winning or losing, but it's just like adverse situations um, overall, which we've had um, our share of, um, had our share of in San Francisco, had our our share of here. Um, You know, last year uh, we had a chip shot field goal that, uh, Blair Walsh missed, and so fans were were devastated. Um, I think that you you still need to tell that story, right? So, what we did uh, last year after the the missed field goal is there was a lot of uh, elementary school kids uh, that actually wrote in to Blair uh, saying, "Hey, we still believe in you." So we actually took some photos of um, of those notes 
you know, from kids. And Blair actually went out and, you know, he was so touched by that um, that he went out and he, he spoke to the class and showed up. And we had a really cool video um, on that. But it just kind of started to ingratiate him back to our, our fan base. And, um, you know, a lot of people thought that was, um, you know, a pretty interesting uh, you know, way to, to deal with a loss, um, you know, was set up just through Blair and, uh, Jeff Anderson who works in our, our PR group, you know, they thought it was a, a good idea to, to immediately get back out there and start telling these, these stories again. So, um, that's how we dealt with that. But then if you have adverse situations, we had our, you know, starting quarterback go down, um, you know, the, the day before our final preseason game, um, you know, left tackle gets hurt, you know, your running back gets hurt. Like we had a pretty adverse time and offensive coordinator switch during the middle of the season. Like there's a lot of adverse, we had a, you know, long losing streak during the middle of the year. Um, you know, but it didn't really change like our content, right? It's still, it's still a story. So I think, um, it's like, uh, I don't know, maybe this is a bad analogy, but, uh, Manchester by the sea, right? Like won a ton of awards one of the most depressing movies that I've ever seen, but it's still good storytelling. Like every story doesn't need necessarily a happy ending. Um, but you just have to be there to, to tell that story along the way. Scott, I mean, you know, everything you're saying, you know, clearly comes back to storytelling and you guys are leveraging social and all of these different platforms and mediums and video and images and gifts as that storytelling platform. My last question for you is as you know, you move into next season and other teams are moving into next season and and creating a plan for what happens next and where are we putting our energy for, you know, from your opinion, where do you see the biggest upside and potential that brands, teams, and organizations should really be thinking about over the next 12 months or so? You know, I, we've talked mostly about, um, you know, social media through, throughout this, uh, uh, throughout our conversation here today. But um, I really think that one of the things that you're going to start seeing a little bit of a shift in is kind of how social connects with mobile technologies, whether it's um, in the, the stadium at different events, um, you know, the way that, uh, it can be brought to life through, you know, augmented reality, virtual reality, uh, within the venues. Um, you know, we're also, uh, you know, we have a, the Vikings mobile app is, um, you know, we were the first, uh, team to combine, uh, really in venue, uh, technologies, right. With the content. And what we found is like content really, really drives adoption of the app uh, overall, like all these utilitarian features uh, within the stadium. But we kind of want to take that to the next um, the next level moving forward. How can we make this more engaging? How can we uh, integrate social media better within the game day experience, uh, whether it's, you know, social voting for what song plays on the video board um, or light shows in the venue or. Uh, ways that you can make different things come to life through AR, uh, all within the app. I think that that's a really interesting um, thing to consider overall. Um, I'm also really interested in terms of uh, how kind of the social media arms race, for lack of a better term, kind of plays out. Um, you know, I think it's uh, personally like, you know, I know that there's been a lot of talk about, uh, you know, Twitter and uh, not being as valuable maybe as it, it once was. I actually... Uh, loved uh, the Twitter streams of uh, NFL games last year. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And I think that there's still um, this amazing power um, 
of Twitter around things like the presidential election. Like I was on, uh, you know, on election day, I was on Twitter, I think more than, uh, you know, I was actually watching the TV. The TV was on, but I was staring at my phone uh, trying to see uh, the information kind of as it came in. Uh, and you're still going to get that first through social media. So I'm also interested to see how that uh, that kind of plays out, how some of the different social media companies kind of continue to strive to find their niches. Like we think that there are all these huge, huge companies and, and some of them are. Um, but you look at, you know, Instagram, for uh, for example, it's it's amazing. Like it's still kind of in its infancy stage. Right. And that's a weird thing to think about because we think that it's so uh, commonplace and like the same with Snapchat. Right. Like how do these um, companies kind of grow and evolve? Um, you know, we mentioned the Instagram stories, for example, like all those different types of features are going to uh, continue to um, to evolve. And um, I don't know, that's something that I'm really interested to see because it affects our job as, as uh, digital marketers, um, you know, to a great extent. Cool, Scott. Last question to get you out on this. Can you share one lesson you've learned that could help other teams or digital storytellers along on their journey? Hmm. I've learned a lot of lessons uh, <laughs> over the years. Um, I think the main thing um, and kind of what, uh, you know, I've tried to do and, you know, our, our team, uh, you know, here continues to try to do is to find, uh, you know, ways that are unexpected uh, to communicate with your fans. Like, I think in, in sports, uh, people generally, um, you know, tend to expect certain things from teams, whether it's in-game gifts or, you know, it was like a few years ago, like pop culture gifts, like became like a huge thing during, uh, you know, NBA games, especially like I thought NBA teams did a, did a great, great job. Um, but then it, like, it becomes expected. So, as opposed to just taking an idea and saying like, oh, you know, they do a good job of that. We should do it too. Like what's a way that you can really um, communicate in an unexpected way uh, with your fans? We did that with kind of our Vine program, Vine Kings. And uh, in San Francisco, we called it 40 Viners. And when people, um, when people see, you know, a claymation preview uh, of your game, um, they don't see that anywhere else. That's something that is kind of a, a thumb stopping content, uh, you know, that makes you scroll through your feeds and say, Hey, did my team just post that? Like, that's kind of crazy. Like have a little bit of, of a discussion about it. Um, you know, be different uh, with the content and the social media choices uh, that you make, I think is probably maybe the, the biggest lesson. Don't be afraid to take risks. Awesome. I really dig it. And I really appreciate the insight that you dropped with us, Scott. Yeah, thanks so much for, for having me, guys. It was uh, great talking to you. Absolutely, Scott. It was a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the Sports Marketing Huddle. We, uh, we'll we be keeping an eye on what you guys do over at the Vikings um, You know, from now through next season, and uh, we're excited to see how far you guys continue to push the envelope. Yeah, hopefully have some, some success on the, on the field next year and get some more eyeballs on everything. So thanks so much, guys. Absolutely. Thanks, Scott. <laughs>